Now the words I speak and the words we hear are your words of life to us, our God. Amen. There is a reasonable amount going on today. It's um, Christ the King Sunday. Uh, I think it says so on your pew sheet. Christ the King Sunday was instituted in 1925 by Pope, Pope Pius XI. It says on uh, a couple of the Catholic sites that I looked up why we have this. Um, to combat the rise of secularism throughout much of Europe, including the rise of non or nominally Christian di- dictatorships. It's kind of a nice way of putting it. Actually, Pope Pius XI uh, was a little bit concerned about this newfangled thing that was coming around called democracy and countries. So we kind of think the First World War was countries fighting each other and we were fighting for democracy and all those good things, freedom of speech, rah, rah, rah. Actually, none of those were at stake because most of the people at war were, in fact, empires. And uh, at the end of the First World War, and none of those empires were democratic, particularly the British was the most, but only the, only the, uh, the, the landed gentry could have, actually have a vote the poor sucker in the trenches never got a vote for the government that put them in the trenches. That came after the First World War. So, uh, and they were the most democratic. And post, uh, so at the end of the First World War, the empires broke up. And these brand new things called countries emerged. So we just think, oh, well, that's how it's always been. End of First World War, that's when they emerged. And the Pope was horrified by this. Because God's order was that Christian kings ruled over people. That was how God ordained it. And he was not at all happy that suddenly we had all sorts of people in Parliament making decisions, people who should not be making decisions, people who didn't own land for a start and who did not come from noble birth. So Christ the King Sunday, which we're celebrating, is all about... um, not happy with democracy, can we just go back to how it was before, when Christ was the king and spoke through the church, and the church told the king what should happen, and the church was back in its rightful place at the top of the pecking order. So here we are, Christ the, Christ the King Sunday. And while that's not the best of starts, and, well, if we're honest, the church as the place where Christ's authority resides, has not always done that well, really, has it? I mean, over the centuries, the church in the name of Christ has argued for slavery, racism, sexual harassment, and, I mean, some of those things are still going on in places like the United States, and uh, uh, they're against gun control because Jesus said we could all own guns and kill people. So... um, Christ the King is a little, it's, it's a little ambivalent really. I feel ambivalent about it. I'm not even sure we should do it, to be honest. And then we throw into the mix Matthew. Uh, so this Sunday is our final Sunday in year A. Next Sunday we're into a new year. So this is our final Sunday with Matthew. And next year we start Mark with a huge dose of John because Mark's not long enough. And... This is Jesus' final piece of teaching. So it's really important. Um, The last block of teaching, as some commentators say, is broken up into five blocks to imitate the the five books of the law. 
And this is the last block, the last piece that we need to take notice of, which is about what happens at the end. And it's about sheep and goats. Now I think we often read this as about being individuals, but it's about the nations being judged. And when they talk about the nations, that's actually the Gentiles. So all those who are not Israelites, uh, and how this is about how they treat the little ones. The little ones here being the followers of Christ. So it's not generic poor, but it's about the little ones who belong to the family of Christ. So uh, in Matthew, the Christians could be called the community of the little ones. The community of the little ones. So we hear that at the same time that we hear in Christ the King. We have to hold those two images together. We are the community of the little ones, Christ the King. We've not always been good at holding those two things together. And the interesting thing about this judgment is <coughs> it's not based on what people believed or what they said or whether they'd given their hearts and lives to Jesus. The judgment is entirely on what they did, how they treated the little ones. And it's also interesting that neither group knew that they had or hadn't done anything to Jesus. They were really being judged on who they were. So if you look this up on Google, it'll tell you if you feed the hungry and da-da-da-da-da, you'll get into heaven. That's actually not what Jesus says. If that's your motivation, then something has gone wrong. These people who did act, acted because that was who they are, and they couldn't think of any other way to act. And those that didn't act, that's, how they, that's who they were, and they couldn't think of any other way to act. Neither group were acting to either get into heaven or not get into heaven. They weren't doing it because they thought it was good or bad. It was just, that's who they were. And you could see who people were by their actions. So who are we then, is the question. Last week, Bonnie preached about liturgy, and she said that our liturgy is life. It is where we practice living life. When we really engage in liturgy, it has the potential to be where we live out who we are and who we are meant to be. It is where we learn compassion and forgiveness and generosity. It is where we learn to be people of aroha. Our liturgy, what we do every Sunday, should be a place where we learn to be people, not learn, it is where we become a people who feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, take care of the sick, and visit those in prison. Not because we want to earn anything, not because if we do this we'll get into heaven, not because Jesus said we should do it, but simply because this is who we are. When Christ is our first allegiance, this is who we become. It should mean that we see the world differently. Apparently I was in the paper during the week, I missed it, didn't find out till this morning, and uh, 
I have no idea, I don't even know if they said anything about what I said, but uh, I was one of the people who uh, gave an oral submission to the council before they decided on whether shops should be open on Easter Sunday. So I want to offer some of what I said uh, to the council as an example of what I'm talking about. So I was um, speaking on behalf of all of you, so I just hope you agreed with what I said. So it was an interesting experience, really. Um, one of the really cool things I have is a big laptop with a, you allow 10 minutes and it counts it down. And I thought that would be really useful for sermons, but, well, I'd probably set it a little higher. I said it would be useful, and um, me and Greg Brown have said, and how many hours would you set it for? <laughs> how did he know about me? I could have taken the, the uh, stance that a number of other Christians who did come and uh, offer some, um, some uh, a submission took, which was, the Bible forbids it, so, so should we. Which didn't gain any traction whatsoever. They just weren't interested. And to be honest, I don't think it's a very good argument. We don't live in a Christian country. But I did say that uh, our dominant society and culture within Aotearoa New Zealand is based upon Christian values. And that's because, until very recently, the vast majority of us were quite happy to call ourselves Christian, even if we didn't go to church. And so, in some ways, how we saw the world and the value system that we operated out of was shaped by Christianity. And I noted that at least, well, just under half of us still identify ourselves as such. And so I still probably the most significant group within the New Zealand population. And I suggested that the values that are inherent in Christianity prioritise people and family and relationships and community and space to rest over and against production and consumerism and profit and convenience. And I noted that the current policy of having shops closed on Good Friday and Easter Sunday remind us both of the Christian roots of our society and affirm the importance of those values and discarding that policy would allow and allowing shops to be open, uh, we would be losing contact with those roots and walk away from these important values, which I suggested would be at cost to our community. I noted that uh, other countries who share the same roots as us include England and the USA and neither of those particularly allow shopping on Easter Sunday which is interesting for the USA because it is the home of greedy capitalism. Greed is good is a common mantra, and that's been clearly expressed, articulated in Trump's presidency. People are treated as either producers or consumers in the market, and profit-making reigns supreme. But even here in the United States, shops are closed on Easter Sunday. So I asked, why are we in such a hurry to abandon our roots and walk away from the values they represent. We only had three and a half days a year where shops are closed. Three and a half days, which say for this time we put people ahead of profit, profit communities ahead of consumerism, and rest ahead of the endless call to be productive and to work. Three and a half days when not too many years ago it was two days a week. It is already too little. Why are we wanting to be rid of one of them? I then uh, 
quoted some of the legislation, uh, some of the, uh, the submission that the archbishops put in uh, before Parliament when the Act was going through the Select Committee. In that submission, I said they questioned what they call the false freedom of open slather trading on Easter Sunday, and they suggested that such a move in the name of freedom would actually strip away family freedom, workers' rights. And, um, and then I quoted the archbishops. The market has permeated every aspect of our life. The question that we are faced with and which Easter Sunday reminds us of is whether the market ultimately defines who we are or whether there is any human value that can exist outside of the market. Values like care for others, compassion for those in need, justice, integrity, hope. Are we simply consumers running like hamsters on a wheel in the marketplace? Or is there more to us than this? We, the Archbishops, believe that there is more to life than this. The reality of Easter Sunday shows that who we are as human beings is not ultimately determined by the marketplace, by wealth or by economics. Then with the Archbishops I wondered about the cost both to workers and to small shop owners. The policy does say that if shops don't want to be open, they don't need to be, but I noted that in places like Bayfair, that kind of choice just doesn't exist. And while Easter Sunday is not part of the current leasing contract, you can bet money that it will be in the new one, and they will have to be open whether they like to be or not. I don't think the councillors had clearly thought that bit through. But anyway... I suggested that currently these short, small shop owners and workers currently enjoy two days over Easter to enjoy the Jazz Festival, to be with families and friends, to rest from the demands of either owning or working in retail with no pressure to be open and no pressure to work. It is a gift for these people based on the values that I've been talking about, the values inherent in Christianity. I also noted that many workers in retail earn minimum wage, I talked about my daughter who worked in retail for a year and a half. She was elevated to the lofty role of supervisor and got 50 cents up. That was 50 cents above the minimum wage. Last year the minimum wage went up by 50 cents and her pay did not go up. So as supervisor she was then earning exactly the same as everyone else who worked in that store. Until she fought and said this is not right. They did reluctantly reinstate her 50 cents as supervisor. But these are the people that now apparently have a choice about whether they work on Easter Sunday. And there are no penalty rates because Easter Sunday is not a statutory holiday. So they will just get paid whatever they normally get paid. So I said that I am saddened that the group that is often poorly paid with the least amount of voice are once again being asked to meet the demands of others so that they might have the convenience of going shopping whenever they like with very little remuneration. A day that was a gift to them to be with friends and family with no pressure to work will be taken away from them. With, I suggested, little gain for us as a city. I wondered where all the extra money was going to come from that we will spend in our shops. Just because shops are open for an extra day does not mean magically more money appears in our wallets. With a little gain for them as well. When Christ is king, I don't believe we should be arguing that things should happen because the Bible says so. I don't believe that's what Christ the King is about. And I don't believe that we should be arguing that we are Christians and therefore you should necessarily listen to us. 
That's not what Christ the King should mean today. It is what Christ the King meant when Pope Pius XI instituted it. He wanted the Catholic Church in particular placed back at the pinnacle of society. But when Christ is our King, it should mean that we operate out of a different value system from the wider society. That at its best treats people as important and not cogs, at least in an economic wheel. That values family, community and rest over productivity, profit and consumerism. Our value system should be different. We should be different. I am reminded of a whakatoki. He had me a nui o te ao, he tangata, he tangata, he tangata. When we place Christ the King together with Matthew's story of sheep and goats, what is the most important thing in the world? It is people, it is people, it is people. When we live out of that, then Christ truly is King. Some words to think of as we approach Advent and the madness of getting ready for Christmas with all the pressure of consumerism. May you reflect well on that.